Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Building from the Bottom podcast. This is Chapter 4, Episode 2. Welcome back. I'm your host, Gareth Rafferty, and just welcome. I'm shocked that we've got this far, and this week, we're going to be looking at a few things that have been on my mind, some in business and some also in my personal life. So today is the third of the month. October already, it feels like we've just started 2020 and all of a sudden people are counting down to Christmas. I just find that extremely weird that the year has gone so fast and people are preparing for the winter, they're getting their hoodies out from the loft and it's just amazing how fast time seems to fly when you take your eye off it for a second. But to start off today's podcast, I wanted to dive straight into managing a client, something that I've never had to experience before until fairly recently, a few months ago. You think you know absolutely everything about managing a client. You come up with your niche, your target audience, and you know exactly who you're targeting. But when it comes to actually managing the client and running the service, you can't plan for that. You can put frameworks and systems in place, yes, but actually the management of the person, making sure that they're happy, making sure they're okay, can be a little bit more difficult than what you initially think, especially when you're trying to build this culture and this reputation for the business. When I first started off, I just thought it was gonna be easy peasy. You just run straight in, you know exactly what service you're offering, But one of the things you don't think about is how you're going to run each session. Now, for me, obviously my business, it can be done online, but it can also be done in person. So when it came to actually delivering sessions, something I didn't think about was how are they going to run? How often am I going to be in touch with this person? Are they going to want something weekly? Are they going to want it monthly? How is it all going to look? Initially, I thought, yeah, monthly, great. But actually, it seems like clients want more interaction with you. Obviously, that will depend on your particular client. But for me, this is what I found. So the one thing I would say to practice is hop on a call, a Zoom call, a Google Meet call, Hangout call, um, Microsoft Teams. It doesn't really matter what type of call. Just yourself and just act like there's someone on the other side. Act like you're leading them through a session or your service or your product. Now, for me, this is something I completely wish I had because I didn't think about this bit. I didn't think about what sorts of things I'd have to say at the beginning of a call to lead them into the session because you can't just jump straight into the session. You have to warm them up every session. You've got to build that rapport. So it's just something I wanted to throw out there, really, to get you guys to start thinking about if you're starting a business or if you've currently got a startup business, but you haven't got those clients through the door yet, how are you going to manage them every single session that you speak to them, every single time you interact with your customer? How are you going to manage those conversations? Are you going to need 
something where you're, you know, like putting it in a spreadsheet, for example, of everyone that you talk to. Are you going to be writing down notes of things that they've said just so on the next call you remember that and then you can bring that up? And how are you going to run the actual session itself? Are you just going to drive stride in and see how you're going to run it? Or are you going to have a script? Or maybe something else? The same comes with presentations and having resources. Are you going to have visual resources for those potential clients? Or are you just going to have something that you just talk from and you talk about it and it's more of a discussion? Is it going to be you leading the session? Or are you just going to be having that chat? For example, with my services, um, obviously being content creation based, I didn't really think about how firm I was going to be on the calls. And so I left it fairly lazy fare, fairly relaxed and more of a discussion. And over the past few months, I've been wondering whether that was the right decision. If you show up as a leader in your calls and in your interactions, then automatically you've got that association as being a leader. If you step down and leave it quite relaxed, it can add a friendly vibe, but to a certain extent, and then it can overlap with you not knowing what you're talking about and you not being a professional and also you just not having that industry knowledge. And that's what happened to me. I think I left it very lazy fair in the beginning and maybe I should have been a little bit more firm in places and led the conversation a lot more. There was times where I just kind of left it to take its course, but now I know that and I'm going to start reading books and working with people to try and take that to the next level and to really try and build those leadership skills. So when I get onto these types of calls, I can lead and manage that client because the truth is you could have one client who's completely chill with you and relaxed about that process. And you could have another that's quite scared and nervous and wants to be able to trust you and therefore needs you to lead. Every client is different. Every customer is different, but these are just some pointers to think about when you're entering the realm of, especially service-based businesses where there's no, tangible thing that the people can feel but they can see and experience the service the next point in my diary is the importance of process now when i started my company i just kind of went into it and i was like this is what i'm offering that's it i didn't think about what processes i would need in place in order to get the customer from being across the line to then being involved in the service. I didn't really think about that transition period of, okay, great. They've paid and they're a client to that first coaching session or that first session of where we talk through the content creation process or the podcasting process as it previous was. So, you really need to think about every process that you're going through when you're onboarding clients, but also when you have onboarded them and now they are paying clients and customers and they are then going through your process. You've got to have those systems in place. If you don't, 
it's very easy that the client or the customer will feel a little bit lost, which I've realized on reflection that sometimes when you're going into these discussions, when you're going into these conversations, sometimes people can feel a little bit lost. But now I know that and I can reflect on that. And that's why I'm sharing this with you guys, because I wish I had this support when I was first starting out. I wish I knew all of these things that I know now. So just think about if you were a customer coming into your business, what would you want to experience? This is from the first interaction that you have with this individual before you, you even know about their product or their service. Is it through an Instagram ad that you find out about them? Is it through a LinkedIn message? Is it through a Facebook group? Is it through going to a webinar? How do you find out about this person and their service that they're offering or their product that they're offering? And what do you expect to happen next? And basically, if you walk through that, you can put yourself in your customer's shoes and really get a gist of what processes are missing in your business. A sales process was quite a big one for me. I didn't have a solid sales strategy of how I was going to be onboarding clients and how I was going to be attracting people to my business. Now, it's all right expecting them to just come, but that doesn't always happen. And especially at the beginning, it's very important to gain that initial traction, whether that's through building a personal brand online, which is one of the things I've done, or whether that's through direct outreach, social media ads, SEO, speaking on stages, holding webinars, holding live videos, whatever the option, it's just something to think about really. Just something to think about. One of the big things I've learned since starting a business is the things that you think are the most important, they're often the least important things that you need in a business, when, especially when you're starting up. For example, a website. My business didn't really need a website and it still doesn't really need one. It's more of just something in case someone goes onto the web and they've seen me wearing my new fan media hoodie or they've seen me that, I'm, that I work and I am the founder of new fan media. If someone has seen that and they don't know where to go, most people would probably go to Google first. So that just keeps me covered, but you do not need that. The same with business cards, the same with leaflets. You don't really need that. That's just an added bonus. Something that Eric Thomas, a massive famous motivational speaker said, is that if you're good, they will find you. Now, obviously, if you just don't put anything out there and you just start a business, you're probably not going to get found. But you don't need to spend loads of money on social media ads and everything in order for people to find you, especially at the beginning when money is tight. When you start up your business bank account and the money is literally zero, 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 that is a very weird feeling. But also, yeah, you just don't need to spend a ton of money in the beginning. The truth is the only thing you need is you because if it's a solo owned business or if it's a partnership or if it's um, a group of co-founders, the only thing you need are the people in that room and then just go out there and market yourself. Like you can go up to businesses in the high street and have a chat with them, or you can um, create some handmade graphics on a post-it note and put them on the desk in people's businesses. 
Um, billboards are also a great one, not big billboards, but the small ones that you might find in your local fish and chip shop or your local Chinese takeaway. Just these little things where people might just be sitting around waiting and they might be like, oh, what's this? And then they find it interesting and they take it home with them. So those are just some points to think about really on managing a client, the importance of processes and systems in your business, which I probably will be coming back to over the next few weeks about the sorts of processes that I use um, and will be using in the future with some help, of course, with the people around me. But also the things that you're thinking about, just have another think really. Are they really as important as what you are making them out to be? And do you really need the things that you're saying that you need? The truth is you probably don't. The next point in my diary and on my post-it note, people will call you weird. If you start a business, people are going to call you odd. People are going to call you every single name under the sun. If you are spending all your time working on your business, if you are extremely passionate about something, if you are going out there producing social media content and just being yourself online, people are going to call you strange. If you never leave your room and you're constantly working or you go to a coffee shop every single day at seven, eight o'clock in the morning and people don't see you until eight or nine o'clock at night, it may take a month, it may take two months, but people are going to start calling you out. That could be your friends, that could be your family, that could be anyone, but people will call you out because they will think that you're weird. And the reason they think you're weird is because you're slightly different to what the norm will do or be. Now, this is not necessarily a bad thing. I've been called weird the majority of my life. I've been called strange. I've been called odd. I've been called alien. I've been called every other word that you can think of for weird. Now, I think that is a huge strength and a huge advantage. If people think you're weird, nine times out of 10, people will get nervous around you and people will somewhat get fearful around you because they will feel like you have something above them. This is an extremely positive thing because it means that you have a competitive advantage, especially if you're not really focusing on these people. If everyone's focusing on you, but you're not focusing on them, that buys you a huge advantage. You can automatically be seen as a leader and obviously everyone wants to be seen as a leader. So that's just something to think about when you're starting a company, when you're putting all your effort and your time and your energy into something, if people are calling you weird and calling you out, don't be afraid. It happens and it's not a bad thing. If you make a decision or if you don't make a decision, the decision is still going to be made. Let me repeat that. If you make a decision or if you don't make a decision, that decision is going to get made either way. I wrote this down. I saw something a few weeks ago talking about decision making if you do not make a decision that's automatically you leaving it to someone else or you're choosing the default option or you're choosing the lesser of the two options this is the exact same when it comes to time the more time you spend on something the less time you're spending on something else so if you choose to spend all your time on your business, you may be pushing out your partner, you may be pushing out education, you may be pushing out the drink at the bar with your friends, whatever it may be, you're choosing to spend your time on one thing and not choosing it to be to spend your time on another. Think about that when it comes to your business. Just 
internalize it and think about the impacts that your time management can have on the people around you and also the other tasks that may be important in your life but may also not be important if you spend 90 percent of your time at your local pub the truth is if you really want to build a business then spending 90 percent of your time at the local pub probably isn't a good thing to do you understand it's that simple it's that simple now if you are spending that much time on doing these other tasks you're probably not spending enough time on your business it's something i've realized especially with the time management thing more so than the decision making thing is that when i spend time on my business people do come back to me and basically wave at me and say don't forget about me you still got to spend time with me you still got to put energy and time and effort and everything else into me now that is really important the people that are important to you make sure that you're spending time with them but if it's people that are draining your energy people that are just stealing your time just to divert your attention and just because they don't like what you're doing then think about the amount of time that you're spending with these people in a week or in a month decisions an area where I've not always been the best. Decision-making can often come difficult, especially if it's quite a big decision. The longer you leave a decision, the closer it gets to someone making it for you. Let me elaborate. If I decided I wasn't going to make a decision to have a ham or a cheese sandwich, someone asked me, ham or cheese? I'm like, I don't know, what do I choose? Do I choose ham? Ham will be really nice with a bit of mayo. Or if I choose cheese, oh, cheese will be really nice. And I just can't decide. People are only going to be waiting a certain amount of time and then they're just going to give you whatever they want to give you. And the truth is that's just something to think about. A ham and cheese sandwich, you're not really losing out. But if that comes down to business decisions and someone wants to know if you want to do a business deal with them, the longer you leave it, the less likely they probably are to give you that chance, to give you that opportunity to do business with them. Okay, a few days of waiting time to just have a think about what's going on in your mind, what's going on in the business, and to figure out if it's right, that is okay. But if you leave it a month, two months, the longer you leave it, the less likely, you, the less likely that company is to probably maintain that deal that is on the table. And that is the same through most things in life really the longer you leave it the less likely you are to have that decision that decision will already be made someone else will make that decision someone else will say oh i don't want to work with you anymore so think about that if you're getting a job exact same principle if you do not respond to a recruiter that's emailed you to say we would love to have an interview the longer you leave it at some point that interview isn't going to happen is it so think about it think about it and the final point in my diary this week is from Stephen Bartlett. He's been posting a lot on his Instagram recently saying, you know, nine tips that will make you happy this week on Instagram or things like that, those sorts of points. But one of the things he really pointed out, and he's pointed out a few times, and I've been wanting to mention for a while, is that the least focused people aren't those that are uninspired. He said the least focused people 
are the ones that are inspired too easy. If you're inspired extremely easy and you're chasing after 10, 20 ideas at once, then you're most likely going to be all over the place. If you're constantly chasing that next thing, that new thing, that new device, that new phone, that new social media platform, that new business idea, whatever that may be, if you're consistently chasing after that new thing, you're never holding down one idea and thus you become less focused. If you hone in on one, two, maybe even three ideas, three things, it makes it a lot easy, a lot more, a lot easier to grow and scale those ideas. So you have to let those ideas run through you and just leave. I have quite a few ideas, you know, like that smart fridge, have a cool smart fridge, um, have a, a completely different idea for a dryer, like, I don't know, a Dyson dryer that sucks all the air out into a vacuum so automatically your clothes dry significantly quicker. But let's be honest, I could start that today and completely ditch new fan media, but there's no point. I've already put so much effort into new fan media. Why would I just ditch that idea? And it sounds really simple when I put it like that. I spent two years on new fan media. This new idea, I've spent nothing. I owe this idea nothing. So think about that when it comes to your business. Did you just randomly start this business and ditch another idea because you thought, oh, that's a cool idea? Or are you actually focused in on this idea and you love it and you're passionate and you think it could help a lot of people and you just genuinely love this idea that you're working on? It doesn't have to be a brand new idea. It could be something simple like a new mobile phone or, you know, something similar. A coaching course, for example, there's millions of life coaches out there. But just make sure that you're passionate, make sure that you love it and make sure that you can help other people. Because the truth is, if you're running after 10 ideas at once, all of them will probably fail. They used to do it in a book by Peter Thiel, who's one of the founders of PayPal. He said that people were running 10 ideas at once, 10 business ideas, trying to figure out which one would take off. And the truth is when that happens, you're most likely just not going to get any takeoff. So hone into one idea, stop trying to run after 10 ideas at once. Stop trying to follow every single business idea that any entrepreneur that's got 100,000 followers or more on Instagram, stop trying to follow every single business idea that they're sharing. Stop trying to copy everything that they do that they're doing. Find out what you love, find out who you love to work with, Bring them on as co-founders if they're interested and if you're interested. And just goddamn do. Like, it's that simple. Stop trying to follow 10 ideas. Business is only going to take off. We're only going to do where you, what you want it to do if you put in a consistent effort and you're persistent with your approach at getting this one single business, this one single idea to do well. No one ever accomplished anything by spending a week and then changing their idea. Why, why and how do you think Olympians got to their position? They spent 10, 20 years, maybe more, on one sport just to become one of the best and to get into that league. And then, like, five, ten years later, they'll be too old, as Olympics would say, 
too old to do it anymore. Now apply that to your own business and just have a great week. That's where I'm rounding it off. Thank you so much for listening. And this has been chapter four, episode two of the Building from the Bottom podcast. Please tell me on any social media that you can find in the description what your favorite point was about today's podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll speak to you all very, very soon on the next Building from the Bottom podcast.